We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, last night's game against the Knicks, they fell 106 to 100. Came out really flat. Starts the game 10 nothing. It's, I think, 21 to 7 at the first substitution. D, I've complained and groused and said my piece about DeAndre Jordan and all of that. But before then, there's a certain sense of urgency that's necessary for any lineup, for any scheme, for any of that to work. The Lakers did not come out with it. And it's been a fairly regular occurrence throughout this season. A lot of times that's been in the third quarter. Uh, but in last night's game, it was in the first. Nothing's going to work if you don't have that fundamental thing in the first place. I have a couple of thoughts on the reasons why that happens. But I think that it's important for us to examine in the first place that it does happen and what it looks like when it does and what it looks like when we get out of it. Because I think that yesterday's comeback, although it fell short, I think that there's a lot of uh, I think that that is informative as well. But let's start with the beginning of that game where we come out flat again, very reminiscent of a lot of our third quarters. What did you see? What did I see? I didn't see anything, Pete. That's what I saw, which is the opposite of what you want when there's actually something that's happening on the court by the other team. So the other team is doing stuff. Mm -hmm. The Lakers were not doing much of anything. I thought the contrast in how quickly and with force like Julius Randle was playing, right? Like I thought that captured the moment to me in terms of the opposite ends of the spectrum in which these teams began the game on. Julius Randle looked like he was shot out of a cannon and the Lakers looked like they were moving in cement. And Mike, you had talked some to us and during the game and even before the game about just some of the Knicks struggles and how their starting unit hadn't been playing necessarily that great and they haven't been great this entire season. Could have fooled me. 
based off of how the game started, when the other team's group, this specific group, is pretty much domed to not be one of the better groups around the league, right? The Knicks are a good team, but that specific group has not been playing well all season. And the Lakers look like food to them. Like, like I like I don't know what else to say about that. And, and so the tenor of the game definitely changed later. But Pete, you you bring up a good point. Like this happens too often that yeah. like the other team looks more ready than what they would normally look, right? And the Lakers look so unready to play that it's frustrating. It's frustrating, Mike. I, like I don't know what else to say. Well, we hinted at this after we talked about the Detroit game. And that was not a point of the season turned. So what what happened in the Detroit game is that a team that's bad was up big and they let their foot off the gas. And the team that was down big really started trying. And it was really Russell Westbrook. You know, Russell Westbrook, and he did change the energy. He does get credit for that. That is something he's done throughout his career. And he did it again in the Knicks game. So like that, that is a, that's something, but that does not mean that, like the Lakers found something uh, right in Detroit. So they're, they're not good right now. And Detroit uh, was, let's get past Detroit for a second. So the Knicks, the Knicks are not good. The Knicks are, are now 10 and eight, but I think that's mostly because they, a little bit like last year, like they do play hard. They, but they're not a dangerous team. Like you, there's a, there's a lot of ways to defend them where they could just barely get buckets. You know, Kemba Walker, is really struggling. He bar- he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. I don't think they're relying on Evan Fournier um, to either to get sort of contested looks at three. Randall, there's kind of been the book out now on how to defend him. You know, their bench actually has been good, but Derrick Rose wasn't there, so the bench struggled up until the point where Emmanuel quickly hit four threes in the fourth quarter. But all that stuff doesn't matter. Like this was this was the the Knicks and the Pistons the last two times the Lakers really struggled with, and so big picture. You know, the one thing that that we keep or I keep Pete trying to hold on to is that is what does LeBron have as the season goes on? But it's as we saw in Boston, it's not just LeBron coming back in the the first half of Detroit. He's not at that point right now where he's going to come in and just massively change the entire recipe. And yeah, it's just there like Darius kind of started out with. There's not this obvious immediate answer um, to me, and maybe maybe part of what you've been talking about, Pete, with this, the change of style and the change of that that kind of thing, I get where you're going with it, but yeah, it just well, there's a funk on the team beyond that, Mike. Right, like that stuff's certainly important, and that will influence. I like one of the reasons I I was you know so so adamant about this is that I think there's some degree of you play with verve, but in a style that doesn't match who you who you naturally are. And then that fails. And then it's like, uh, well, we've been talking about this a lot lately, right? Where it, there's a certain frustration that sets in. That said, we just had a comeback win, right? Where we get ignited by the fight and Russ, you know, and Russ, again, like you said, he, he ignited us in that game. And that word ignite keeps coming to mind is we need to be ignited by something. Every time we have played well this season has been after something has happened, right? But it is an external, we got blown out in Portland or there's a fight with LeBron and Isaiah Stewart and kind of the juices are flowing. I see one of the, I've been talking a lot about Shondi Brown recently. I'd love to get a look at Jay Huff as well. There is a certain degree of legs and energy where we've got a lot of guys that don't have that 
internal motor in that way, you know? They're not naturally inclined to play that way, Pete. Like, they're right. just not, like, you look at, I hate to bring it back to the, the contrast with, like, the Bulls, but, like, Alex Cruz is a guy that has that. Lonzo Ball's a guy who has that. Like, they just have that they're verb. Gonna go. they, they are naturally mm-hmm. inclined to sort of go out there and push. And Russ, Russ has that, I mm-hmm. feel like. But Russ is also, what, 12-year veteran? And he is a multiple-time all-star. He just made the top 75 list. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. He's won an MVP award. There is... And we saw this with Kobe, too. Like, like guys who get that reputation of, like, I play hard all the time, right? When you're that level of player, you actually don't play that hard all of the time. You're not going to be able to. Like, you're too you, – you're almost too you good. Sprint, you, and you can't sprint 26 miles of a marathon, especially when you're absorbing that type of usage. It's one thing to have a role on a team where you're standing in the corner on offense, and that means you probably have a – more increased role on the defensive end. But when you are a 30, 35% usage guy and like that, and even if you, even if you had that guy, cause Russell's, cause Westbrook's ability, you had a great hit on this mic in the game where you talk about that ability to just have your foot down on the gas yeah. all the time. And that's really difficult. And there's a relentlessness to that to have to be mentally engaged. If you're the other team, there's a relentlessness. That's difficult to do that for 48 minutes over 82. And so there's some advantage to that, but it can't be the only guy that provides that. No. It ha- and that's the point. It has to be the team. And if you watch Phoenix right now, if you watch golden state right now, like that's what they have. They have this, here's how we're playing. It's going to result in wins. So we're going to commit to doing it um, as the whole group. And they've had the benefit of health, uh, save for, of course, of course, Golden State waiting for Clay to come back. But the players that have been playing for both of those teams, we talked about this last year, by the way, with Utah and with Phoenix. They've been basically out there um, every night with the exception of, of Aiton and Chris Paul that hasn't even seemed to bother. Him. They just kind of keep plugging along. And that was the look that the Lakers had when they won the title that whole year from the start of the season. And it was part of it was LeBron having a ton to prove in in his uh, mind that, you know, coming off of the wash King all that summer, losing in the playoffs a year before AD's coming, right? Like, so they came together right away and figured out a way to play. And that's the open question about how this team with mix of personnel and style and vets. And uh, there's just so many questions um, that have to be answered. And, you know, the trick now is that it's, they're nine and ten in the nine spot, and and sort of fairly so, aside from LeBron's missing games. Okay, so so this is where now look what's happened to Denver with Jokic missing a couple games. They've lost five games in a row. So it's not like they're like the only team that's got some talent that's 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 dealing with some stuff like this. But it's a big separation between them and the teams at the top of the conference, which is where they want to get, and that's where some of the stress, you know, for the team probably internally is coming and and that's I'm sure fans are feeling that same way. I think we need to divert our attention from the top of the conference to we need to get slightly better than we are now. Like if we're the 9 seed right now, let's get to 8. Let's get to 7, let's get to 6. And I'm remain more positive than most on this team, which isn't to say that it's all going to work out, but I see us really going through a metamorphosis. And that's change, especially rapid change, is very rarely pretty. Let's take a quick break when we come back and let's discuss what's going on within that metamorphosis. Lakers basketball is finally back. 
And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. D, we're playing a ton of zone. We're we're switching a lot. Actually, I went back because I was irritated. Why are we in drought? You know... You guys hear the uh, unfiltered version of my we we do anger. We do. Uh, you poor guys. I send them. I send them paragraphs on you know on specifics there as we're a, watching. The- if, if y'all thought, if y'all thought the film room was the silky smooth voiceover guy who you hear on uh, all the highly polished videos and all of that, you got to watch a game with this dude live. I, there's that's right. actually that's can buy it. yeah it's a I'm that actually, is a different um, experience i'm up for a, for a, i'm up for an emmy this year for being able to respond to the text thread while sideline reporting the game live <laughs> i always crack up man like our conversation and then i see you you know 15 seconds later on tv just cool as a cucumber yes i'm so, sending my text and he's doing sideline hits yes. i'm just like oh hey mike i see you on tv yeah. <laughs> so well, you guys so, do help me during the game though, because you point out stuff that I can't see. So I, I sure, oh, yeah, the perspective it. from the TV, you know, versus versus the games is, is so different. So anyway, I'm grousing. Uh and when you watch the game live, again, this is why I'm such an advocate of the rewatch, is especially in times like these, the Lakers are so frustrating right now. And that's something that you don't you can barely understand basketball and be like, what the fuck is this team, man? You know, so I am, this is my life. I watch the game live. Then when the game's over, I immediately rewatch the game. All of these freaking games, these 19 games, this miserable start to the season. I've rewatched all of them. Then the next day I get the melts where I get all of the relevant plays from multiple angles. And then I have to log those. I have to trim them exactly where they start and end and then give them a name based on, you know, a little uh, titling thing that we have. So anyway, I'm really immersed in this freaking team. And so that there's a good side to that. And there's a bad side to that. There's 
there are reasons why I've been so like, we got to switch more. We got to play more two, three zone. And seeing that emerge on the court has been in some ways very exciting. Right. And like in last night in particular, I thought the defensive schemes matched the talent out there better than any game where it was like, oh, we should be dropping in this scenario. We should be switching in this scenario zone with this group on on the court. And like that doesn't mean it's always going to be good. Right. If you got Dwight and Mello in the game, you're going to lose some foot speed battles. It don't matter. Can yeah. I make a uh, to try to make a um, a very sort of low level point about this? I think it's the coaching staff. They know that there are certain guys that can do certain things, right. and there are other ones that can't. And so they they don't want to put guys that they think are going to be in trouble if they switch into those type of schemes. And so they've been trying to figure out. And that's the, the like what you would love to have as a coach is just every like you have one through 15 and they can do exactly what you say without having to specify anything, but you basically have to tailor, like you have to some one dude likes cheese on the hamburger. The other one doesn't, the other one wants the special sauce yep. from in and out. Um, you got that. He can't do that. This one, this guy needs the the salad wrapping for the other one. He can't that's have right. the bun. Yes. Like it's all got to be customized. And that's exactly it. And that's exactly why that adaptability has been such a point of emphasis from a, like, we're not in Kansas anymore. These guys cannot do the thing, especially when you've got multiple vet minimum guys, Mike, it's it is that very specific this guy can do that this guy can't do that and so last night's game defensively they were again with some limitations from new york certainly what i try to do in in my first rewatch of the game is i try to be able to explain like what happened on this play just in my mind and i'll say it out loud i'll be like all right uh russ's low man rotation was late on this fast forward to the half court the other way or we, Avery Bradley picked up at half court in transition defense and gets blown by by Kemba Walker, right? Like these are, or or what happened that was good in this on on this play, right? DJ even in that third quarter had a couple of really nice contests in his drop coverages. He's one of the reasons we're going to get to this more. But I've been, I don't know, like DJ versus Dwight. I don't know. We'll talk about it more. Uh, but anyhow, the the customization that you're talking about, Mike, is something that I saw a ton of, but. During the rewatch, the, that first group actually switched more than they dropped. And it was it was the only point of the game where it was like, oh, you can't really switch with DJ on the court. But every other lineup on the floor for the rest of the night, D, our, I thought our defense was pretty good throughout throughout the night. Again, with with New, with so, New York's limitations. So Pete, switching one through four or without no, DJ or so it, there were switches with DJ too. Yeah. So we, we had switched uh, on and it wasn't just DJ. It was like Avery guarding Julius. And now we have to double him. And then that means a weak side. So here's the thing too. And we're going to get, I just want to get into the weeds really quickly. Just yeah, on yeah. this specific I, thing. I want to too. Yes. The Lakers are, the Lakers still want to go over the top of screens with DJ in the game because he can really only drop and he's not going to shock really at all at the level of the ball in terms of like playing up. He will do that against elite, elite shooters when it's a part of the game plan, but overall he's not going to do it ever. Right. And so when you're going over the top of screens, if one of the things that happens is the Lakers are peel off switching. So they are getting the, you go the over guard the top is of not the screen. Get, yep. Yes. The guard is going over the top of the screen and he's not 
recovering in time to get to the guard who has the ball. He's not recovering in time to his own man. And so at some point, you have to make a decision. Am I actually going to keep going back to my man who is engaging the big man? Or am I going to peel off and switch onto the big man who set the screen? And the Lakers have been doing that aspect more and more. Um, and they did it last year under Vogel, too. They did it in the Phoenix series. And that's one of the reasons why Aiton kicked kick their butt is because mm-hmm. like Chris Paul and Devin Booker are elite at forcing that peel off switch because they come off they come off screens tight and then they snake screens. And so now your recovery angles are jacked or they or they widen out their dribble and spread you out and they engage the big man and drag him. And then now they put two. You either put two on the ball, which they mm-hmm. want. Right. Or you have to peel off switch. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted to explain that to the listeners. Right. And with Phoenix in particular, that if you don't step up on them, they're just going to kill you from mid range. Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So it it forced a lot of like, oh, KCP has to peel off switch onto DeAndre Ayton. And KCP is an excellent defender, but he's never going to win that physical battle. Dennis Schroeder, same type of thing. So Vogel made some comments after the game about like we've had to get creative defensively. And that I had read it initially after just the the first watch without rewatching right and i'm like we're running a 2 3 zone like it's the second most common look in basketball but i went on the rewatch mike when i we executed our drops fantastic at the beginning of that third quarter with the big lineup offensively we did some cool stuff too that was like at least there's some degree of attention intentionality that got rust to the basket and anyhow what we were doing was dj was dropping But we were trying to switch. If you were a primary ball handler, whether it's Evan Fournier or Kemba Walker or whomever, we were trying to get AD on you onto the switch. So it was this kind of hybrid drop switch type of model that was really cool and really effective. Again, without the Knicks, you know, without a Derrick Rose out there, that becomes more difficult. But I thought defensively we made some strides toward what we need to be. Um, And then on the offensive end, I'm sorry, this is – this is a, an important part of the metamorphosis I'm talking about because we, I do think ultimately we have to play at least one seven footer and being able to have a, two, a, a decent two big lineup look will be important for this team. We ran a lot of what are called short pick and rolls, which is when say it's a, a high ball screen with Russ and AD in the middle of the floor and DJ is sweeping from one dunker spot to the other. And yep. he's in the dunker spot that Russ is driving toward. And so what that does is you're not trying to create a shot attempt for Russ on that. You're trying to create a double gap and a single side tag for AD. And what happens, AD is so good at those little four to six foot floaters that like he makes those shots look so easy and they are not at all. But what it does is it creates space for Anthony Davis in a lineup where there's not a lot of space to be created. And so seeing that degree of intentionality on offense of not just like, hey, you know, we're going to throw the ball down into the post on AD uh, for AD and then, you know, react to whatever the defense gives us a certain degree of we don't have space naturally, D, but we are going to create it that I thought was really encouraging, at least giving us a look of what it can look like. Yeah, man, there's Frank Vogel's not dumb. The coaching staff is isn't dumb. No. And I get frustrated with with Vogel a fair amount, right? Like not as much as others for sure, but I get frustrated with him at times because of the lineup choices and some of the way that things go. But you hit on a point earlier, Pete, and you did too, Mike, about like that that idea of customization. Like my wife's a kindergarten teacher. 
she knows all about customization, right? You've got 20, 25, five and six-year-olds running around the classroom and none of them are exactly the same. Some of them require a ton of attention and some of them require very little attention at all. Some of them need to be kept on task and all of this other stuff, right? And so Vogel's got a group of guys that their skills are so disparate, especially defensively. That, And I've talked about this before that his job is super hard making the right types of tweaks and adjustments that are very personnel specific when, when this thing will only work for this group and this group needs this specific kind of adjustments made for them and this group can do this thing offensively but not defensively and this other group can do this thing defensively but not offensively and how do we tweak and twist and and move slightly in this direction in order to make this other group successful and it's if you were to map it all out it would be pages and pages and pages of game day specific game plans that work for these various groups against that other specific team based off of what they want to do. And I would imagine the game plans are getting way more complicated than what any coach would actually want for a regular season game on a Tuesday against the Knicks. Right. And there's a, there's a level of frustration that starts to seek in because it all comes back to that point that Pete made earlier that if we're going to do this customization or we're going to try to move in in a certain direction, then can you guys play hard for me? That's a fundamental ingredient, man. Like without that, like none of the other stuff matters. Can you just go out there and bust your ass and trust that we're going to try to put you in at least good positions to to succeed? Because here's the thing with this team and we can go to break right now anyway, but the pieces don't fit perfectly and you want to optimize Russ, but when you optimize Russ, your defense suffers in these specific ways. So how do you put players on the court that can do anything that you need defensively while still accommodating Russ? Oh, well that's hard, right? And so maybe we don't optimize Russ and we pull back on that lever and we put this other big dude out there mm-hmm. who can do this thing, but now that group can only defend this way. And so you just now, created another problem, yes. Right, and so now if we can only defend this way, then we have to have this other guy on the court, well, who can do this thing defensively, but he's not good at that thing on offense. And so how now it's just like, oh, my God, my my brain is a snow globe right now, right? Where it's just like you shook it up and there's just particles everywhere and there's too many variables to deal with. And there's a certain amount of overload. And I get it just by watching the team. I can only imagine. And Pete, you get it by doing the rewatch. Imagine what these coaches. Uh, I, I could imagine what the coaches are doing. Right. So so the game ends and. We all go over to do media. We get, we get on the bus, get on the plane, and usually that we're the last to get on the plane. Uh, and and so I'm walking back, and every single coach has their laptop up, and they are watching, and they but they're watching in a different way where they where they have uh, they have play calls in their chart. Like it's complicated what they're doing, and there's a yeah. lot of them doing it, and then they're spending. The, so they're not up there. They're not up there watching like the new season of Dexter, you know, on the plane. Like which is very good, by the way. 
you know, uh, uh, that's exciting because I was just starting a rewatch of old Dexter. And now uh-huh. I'm kind of like, well, I don't want to go through all seven seasons because it kind of slipped late, as uh-huh. I recall. So I'm trying to figure out how much I should watch so that I could peek into. Uh, that's an aside. What I want to get to about <laughs> this team is in, in getting back to this whole idea of trying to figure out how to be specific and and like come up with a different plan for everybody. Look at the team that the Lakers last won the title with. And I know I talk about this a lot, but they had their basic understanding of what they were going to do and the personnel that could execute it on both sides where you didn't have a lot of weak spots that you had to put on the bench. So when they did want to switch something up, like to play Houston in round two, or they did want to get up and trap uh, and super aggressively show high on a Dame or what they would have done against Steph, they could do that within just one sort of team shift. And now it's like they have to shift multiple times within the same game and that's just super not tenable so the question is can they get to the point if lebron and and this is where it's it's tricky to even say this because you're counting on having everybody healthy to do it but lebron and ariza and nunn and reeves and then you take out some of the guys that just can't do multiple things and so maybe that gets you then closer to having the night-to-night identity but that's going to be a while even to get there. You can write, Mike, you can write, if you write when the, uh, when the roster is entirely healthy, you can get to nine guys where it's like one of them, Mello in particular, is not a strong defender. It's just we've never had that version of this team. And so yeah. like there are all of these lineups where it's like two, three guys that are like that. So maybe what we should do now is talk about Russ, uh, Pete, when we come back from a little break and get into what we've seen from him the last two games. Sounds good. Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. 
Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com So something for fans to look out for. Uh, Russell Westbrook really likes to bring the ball up the left side of the court, right up the left sideline. And a lot of his drives and early attacks on the basket have the same shape where it starts off the left of the left side, then he'll hit turbo and go middle and then level off. At least when he makes it, he levels off toward the basket at the very end. When he misses, he's still like veering more toward the corner and he's kind of like falling out of bounds and that, that impacts his finishing. But when he's at his best, he's doing that. And then, if you overplay that drive toward the middle, then he's just going to cross it back over and then has that nice little underhanded, you know, right-handed layup uh, that he scored on a few times. And then if that's not open, he's going to go into the post or he's going to shoot the bank shot, right? But the the shape and position and just early attack, that little attack that he's he's really he's really finding opportunities in that in that specific situation what really strikes me is the speed of it and it's these very like whether it works or not we're going to he's going to attack very early in, in the offense mike was doing a hit uh in last night's game talking about he had another wonderful third quarter he's like he's having dominant quarters in the fourth quarter against detroit in this quarter against um uh, against the Knicks he had a great quarter in the second quarter I think against the Bulls where he's you know 15 points five rebounds six assists type of quarters that are really uh swinging the game we tied the game in that third quarter we were down 25 and we got back into it in the third quarter it wasn't even in the fourth right and so talk to me a bit D about what you're seeing about the the strides forward in Russ's game because in this metamorphosis that we're going through and I know everyone's frustrated for me Things had to happen in a certain order and Russell Westbrook getting comfortable and being able to attack and produce was one of the the keystones of this season. And I'm, I'm starting to see that happen. So he's just been playing better. I, like all of the stuff that you're describing, those are the nuances and those are the details. And that's sort of like the in the weed stuff. But he does look comfortable. He does look like he understands what he wants to get to and how he's going to to do it. There was the early part in the season where Russ was deferring way too much. He had talked about how my turnovers are coming because I'm just passing too much, basically. Like, And we saw it, too. He wasn't really getting advantage, and teams were starting to play him the pass. This was during the preseason, especially. And he's still passing. And it's just like, bro, like you're Russell Westbrook. What are you doing? Right? And that player is gone, really. That player is gone. He's no longer playing for the Lakers. The dude who is playing now is the guy who is all hunting. And Russell Westbrook at his best is a hunter. Mm -hmm. Like he's not the same type of hunter as LeBron James, right? LeBron James is the dude who he will, he sees the game like a sniper, right? He's not a long range sniper. LeBron as like a player like a Ray Allen or a Steph Curry, where it's just like I'm I'm playing from from deep. But LeBron can he sees the wide view and then he can zero in on where he wants to attack and then he will get his kill. The, the like, oh, I see the weak defender trying to hide in the corner way over there. Hey, you, you, you run over there. 
right? And he's telling his teammates, you run and over you there. And you always see this. You always yes. see this when you watch a game. He's pointing, you go there. He's pointing. He's like, you go over there. No, 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 no. He's waving. He's telling the guy no. He's telling him to stay. And then he starts to dribble over this way. And then suddenly he's being defended by the other team's point guard. And you're like, oh, okay. You saw that thing the whole way. And so he's like a sniper. Russ is not like a sniper. You know, I don't know if anyone has ever watched the show Warrior. It's the show that was on HBO Max and so good. So good. anyways, the fight scenes in that are all close hand fight scenes. They're like knife fights and they're like Kung Fu fights. And you're just like, you're in it. You're just attacking and like the camera angles. You can smell the other guy's breath. Yeah, it's it's. It's great stuff. It, for me, someone who grew up in like a martial arts house, like mm-hmm. that stuff is great to me. Russ reminds me of that where hold when on, hold on, he, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't know you were like a martial arts, like oh, you didn't know people's asses and stuff. Yeah. We'll get into this no, a, no, another no. day. Come on, I need this. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Dude, Mike this. has been begging us to talk more. See, this is my thought on this. So Mike, behind this, some behind the curtain stuff. Mike has been like, y'all got to talk about yourselves more. And so we've been talking about like ways to do that. I My vote is that whenever something strikes you, Mike, ask the question. Because we say a bunch of shit in passing that, yeah. So I grew up training martial arts, Mike. I ultimately stopped before I made black belt because I was like right below that level because I started to play more soccer and play basketball. My dad trained basically his entire life. My brother trained for a really long, long time. They both were black belts. My dad trained in multiple styles. Hey, you better be careful of the Soriano barbecue, it sounds like. If it was ever time to make stuff happen, we were going to be ready to make stuff happen. It's, It's one of the reasons why when I was a kid, I was just like... My dad never really had to ask more than once for something to get done at the house because we would go out and we would do these these demonstrations. We call them demos, right, where we would go and we would put on performances as like this is our dojo and this is what we do. And we would do like skits and all this other stuff. And and then we'd have this sequence where it was like board breaking and brick breaking. Right. As sort of like, oh, yeah, look, like we could break a bunch of boards and we could break bricks. My dad would be a guy who could break bricks with his head. Sheesh. And so if your dad was the dude who could break <laughs> bricks with his head, when he says it's time to go get your shoes on, guess what you're doing? <laughs> you're getting your shoes on. It's like, I mean. And you're standing at the door ready to go. Like, <laughs> that's how that worked. When I was a kid. Wow. This is giving me life today. This is giving me life. It's a back-to-back, okay? Been on the, I'm in my fifth city in seven nights. I miss my kids. And now I'm just thinking about Darius uh, Darius doing a spin hurricane kick uh, like <laughs> Ryu or something. It's giving me life, bro. When it was time to get down, we we could definitely handle ourselves. I even forgot where I was going. Where was you're I? Talking, you're talking about Who Russ, cares? Russ being like, like yes. the show warrior, that up close yes. type of fighter, different yes. type and of so hunter. So when Russ is in attack mode, he is he is fury right in your face, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing muted about what he's doing. And at times it doesn't even look very strategic because it is so in your face and it is so attack, 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 attack. And it is not reserved. It does not always seem calculated in the same way that LeBron is, right? But he, at his best, he is a hunter. And so what I've been seeing from him in this stretch of games is when he turns it on, it is, I'm going to just be all up in your face and make sure that I am making something happen. And 
I thought some of the Lakers downfall in the early part of the game was Russ was playing at that speed and no one else was playing at that speed with him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he had, he had a turnover going into the lane where he tried to make, where he tried to force the action. Nothing was really open. And then he had a turnover. And then he had another one where he had a couple of drives into bad shot attempts where the lane was all packed and he just forced it in there and nothing good came, came of that. And that's the thing is, that's why you've made this point a lot, Pete, but like people need Russ to like go with him. And mm-hmm. when the Lakers have been at their best against the Pistons and against the Knicks, they went with him. And when yes, and when no one is with him, team. yeah. And when no one is with him, guess what? He will be out there all by himself. Oh, and he's he still will going. Try it anyway. He's still going. Yeah. Yes. And right? it like, probably won't work. Yeah, with or without you. Yep. I'm on my way. And so the things I've seen from him, though, is that he he is he is shooting the ball well. He is shooting it with confidence. He is attacking the rim. He is finishing. There is just a lot of positives that are going with with his game. And defensively, I think he's finding his stride a little bit more as that sort of weak side player, the guy who can get in passing lanes, the guy who can create havoc. He's been doing a pretty good job of crashing down on the, the defensive glass and like really batting happy. balls away, playing mm-hmm. high at the at the rim. And not necessarily to grab the rebound himself, but to tip the ball away when the Lakers are in scrambled defensive possessions. And so he's been doing a lot that I think is super helpful to the team. I've been way more impressed with like in general, even though he's had some high turnover games with his in play decision making has been a little bit better to me. It doesn't necessarily result in less turnovers because he's still whipping the ball to where he thinks a player should be at times. And sometimes they're not, and sometimes they are, but the defender is there too. And so there's going to be mistakes that come with him, but I've been happy with his progression. And I have been happy with his level of competitiveness and I've been happy with his individual results and the direction that he's been taking the team at times, because he has been playing hard when the team's been needing it and it's helped put them back into games. Darius, could you do the Uma Thurman thing and pull in uh and like could you punch out of a of a um not a, a coffin? Coffin? Yeah. Um, could you could you like I would need what? more space than that. She she was very she was very okay. like one inch punch style. Your dad could though. Uh, Your dad could Your dad though, could probably. definitely punch his way out of the coffin, it sounds like. All right, I let me get back on track myself here. I'm just I, I'm really excited about this development today, <laughs> and and I don't know how to incorporate it into the the DDS because um, that seems like a different thing. But yeah, now that yeah. we know that there is some potential for violence at the end of the DDS, <laughs> that kind of changes the flow. But you just took Russ, a darker turn. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, I'm thinking about Russ, and I want to I want to if I can introduce LeBron into this concept now because his two amazing quarters were when LeBron was not there. It was the fourth quarter against Detroit and the third quarter against the Knicks. LeBron is going to play in Indiana. And how do those things go hand in hand? How does LeBron play off that? LeBron, obviously, not only can he run with Russ, but is there a more devastating guy to run with you than LeBron? Mm -hmm. And, and, And what kind of appetite does LeBron have for that level of running in that level of activity at this point. And so that's my question is, and this is kind of Pete to kick it to you for a second here. Russ after the game in New York was kind of like, 
Yeah, this is what this is what I do more and more as the year goes on. And this is and guys just start to get it and guys just start to come with me. He so he's seen this in Washington, mm-hmm. he's seen it in Houston, and and you know, OKC's a whole different story because he was there from the start. But that's the the level that I'm curious about. And LeBron is the guy that I'm most curious about. And I don't know if Russ is gonna feel like he can do that when LeBron's out there and he's tempted to kind of just give him the ball at the top of the key. And then what, and then what's the offense doing? And then are, are the Lakers just ending up in like a late shot clock situation? So there's a, there's a lot to think about there, but that's where I'm at. That's a great point. And it is like the next chapter of this story and it could go poorly. It could absolutely go poorly, but locking Russ into like, this is what I do type of basketball. And then guys eventually try to figure it out. I think that's a really important point that guys have to figure it out is that, it speaks to the degree that Russ is a different player to play with than most other players in the NBA. Like how he goes about his business is just a different style. And that takes some getting used to. If you've played basketball your whole life one way and this guy is like, all right, let's do that. at Let's listen to this podcast at two point two times speed. Right. We're going to play basketball at two times speed. That just there's an adjustment that goes along with that. LeBron is a more deliberate style and LeBron is the most important player on the team, right? In terms of a lot of things, but running the offense and just kind of how we do things. LeBron not only can run with Russ, but like you said, can do it better than pretty much anybody, but that is not the pace that he wants to play at for 48 minutes. Whereas Russ, that is absolutely. So resolving that is going to be one of the next challenges. It's going to be super interesting. So we're going to be back on Monday. Uh, I hope everybody has a really happy Thanksgiving. We got the Pacers tonight. Then I believe the Kings on Friday back at home. I'm really excited. I'm going to be going to the games, the home games going forward. So being able to see the game from that perspective and then going home to do the rewatch and then getting the melts and all of that, it's going to be really one of the, the cooler basketball experiences of my life. Very, very complete. Jeannie, just when Pete says being able to see the- and just edit in Mike as opposed to the game. Okay. Cause that's what, that's what we're really excited about. Yeah. <sighs> I know this season's frustrating everyone. And this is, I don't know if it ends, you know, with a pot of gold at, at the end, we're going through tough times for sure, but we're also going through a metamorphosis where things are not as bad as they seem right now. I really believe that one of the most fascinating seasons I've ever seen of a Lakers team. And that may be, uh, you know, one that ends up crashing and burning. Who's, you know, we, we, we will see, but we'll be here to cover all of that. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five.
Lyon. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.